Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. Today's guest is Jim Meskimen. You may know him for a variety of, I'm sure you do. This man is so busy. Jim, there's so much that you do that we're going to just have to let you kind of go through it for us. But may I say that I met you as the son of America's mom on Happy Days. That's right. Marion Ross is my organic biological mom. Yes. So, you know, I'd like to ask a question about that, if I may. Sure. I don't want to pry, but may I ask how old you were during that uh, Happy Days run? Because that was a long time ago. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm about five years younger than, than Ron Howard. So uh, I don't you know. know. I'm, I'm not very good at age. So, you, you know. Uh, no, you're not very good at aging either. You look very young. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I was in my, you know, it ran for 11 seasons. So it was a, a spread of, uh, I think it started when I was about 12. So you were young. Now, was I was young. I was at a perfect age to really appreciate it because all those boys were a little older than I was. And playing a little, you know, playing my age, but they were a little bit older. And uh, yeah, it was a really super fun time. And, and oh, well, OK, that's what I was going to ask. I'm glad to hear that. So I was thinking, you know, there's got to be some sibling rivalry as the son of America's mom when she's got all these other people. But you you liked it. I did. I mean, it was very special and very surprising. Uh, you know, that was at a time when, you know, 10 or 15 million people would tune in to watch one show on Tuesday night. I know. And yes. uh, it slowly built in popularity. It was allowed to kind of grow and uh and develop uh, unlike shows today. And uh, it, I, it was, it was a big change for us just financially. Uh, oh, nice. my, my mom was a, a working actress, but a single mom uh-huh. parents were divorced and she was raising two kids and uh, on, as an actress, not mm-hmm. doing anything else. And uh, that was a real big challenge that she, she met. So, so we didn't have a lot of extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we ate a lot of frozen fish sticks and uh, cans of string beans for dinner. <laughs> she also wasn't much of a cook. So 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 when the happy days finally came around and we could have like a blow dryer in the house, that was a big deal. You mean this kind? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Now. So life changed. I mean, you moved to some place that was better for no, you. Didn't move. Didn't move. Stayed just. Uh, Oh, you know, so you I, were settled in one home. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the home that I'm in right now, actually. How nice. Yeah. Okay. It's I'm very happy. I'm happy to hear all that. I'm happy to hear that it was a good time for you because, you know, life can be tricky. Yeah. Which is yeah. not to say that I wasn't intensely jealous of the people that had, had, you know, roles in the show. Although I hadn't really made a commitment to being an actor at that point, there was still, you know, the, the, the amount of attention. That well, that's what, I was, that's what I was wondering. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely that way I felt, you know, this kind of weird, uh, actually, it was something I had to kind of figure out. It took me a long time to figure out, like, I was attracted to the life of an actor, uh-huh. but I wasn't sure if it was just because of the attention or, or the money. It's like, well, is that something to base your life on? You know, what's the honorable thing about being an actor? And I had to sort that out for myself and really discover what makes it. I have ideas about the honorable thing about acting. Yeah, what, what have you come up with? Well, we need our storytellers. Society needs our storytellers. Totally. Uh, I agree 100%. It has a a function that is very important. Also, for me, I I came to realize that um, when I, uh, to use the the word of today, when I consumed, uh, you know, entertainment in my life as as a child, 
I would get very excited and, and, th and thrilled by certain performances that would be life-changing. It would be oh. just like inspiring and amazing. And I thought, well, if I can impart that, then that's obviously a good thing. What were the performances or performers that struck you so deeply? Well, the first, when you ask that question, the first person that comes to mind is the great Danny Kay. Oh, yes. You know, oh. who was a singing, dancing, yes. genius, uh, you yes. know, super performer. Really? And, uh, you know, and people like Peter Sellers, another, another super performer who could embody many, many characters. And these were all people that I went, wow, that's, I guess, to be an actor that, that would give me that sort of feeling, I would have to do a variety of things very well. And, and what would that be? Well, you know, like voices and accents and uh, the physical things and uh, just uh, great ideas and, and inspiring kind of performances. So, so what was your journey to get where you are now, which I want to talk about because it's so full. Well, my journey has been uh, first, like that was a major kind of thing I had to figure out was like, what's what what's the point of being an actor? Is it just to be showy and to get attention and to, you know, be a celebrity and all that sort of thing? Uh, or is it, is it something deeper? And I kind of f figured that out. I sussed that out and went, okay, good. Well, if, if I have then a purpose, that's like a legitimate, honest purpose. This marks, he was a very nice person that you could do that. How old were you when you went through this particular realization? Well, I, all the way from, I mean, it took me a while to sort it out. So it took a few years to sort it out. And well, I was in my twenties and when I was about 23, it, it's, it finally settled and I'm like, okay, I get it now. I get it. What did you think your life was going to be before you decided that you could act? I thought it would have more to do with the visual arts. I was a trained painter and illustrator. I, I and, read that about you. Yeah, uh, it's true. And I studied art in Spain and I, uh, oh I worked as an illustrator in New York and I, a cartoonist. And I trained myself as a kid to draw. I always drew cartoons. I read Mad Magazine and I, I like admired the drawings of Al Hirschfeld, if you know who that is. And uh, you know, there were for me to be alone and, and create a world on my own was a lot very satisfying. So I thought it would probably probably would have my career would have something to do with that. Uh -huh. And uh, but I had this also this interesting urge to to perform, to be in front of people, to say wonderful words and, and embody beautiful characters like like I saw Danny Kay do, like I saw uh, Peter Sellers do or other performers that I admired. What, what was your first acting job? Well, my first professional acting job was, uh, I mean, I did plays and stuff, you know, and uh, I was actually, I actually paid to be in, in a play early on in college. Mm -hmm. I like, I like scored a role in a uh, sponsored uh, one act play that actually paid money. So that would probably be the first one that I did. But at, in Hollywood, I, uh, you know, and I have to thank my mom again, Marion Ross, she, she helped me get on Happy Days on an episode that the famous jump the shark episode. So I was uh, 17. You know, I, I like most of America. What was it? Tuesday nights. Yeah. Tuesdays at eight on ABC. I mean, can you believe that? I remember that. And nobody, <laughs> well, went, out, nobody went out on Tuesday nights. Yeah, right. I mean, nobody I knew would go out on Tuesday nights. You were home and you were watching all of those fabulous teenage boys yes yeah yeah and and, and the father was what uh, i don't know why i'm going down this memory lane it's your it's your turn but he had a hardware store that's and, right and, and most fathers in situation comedies 
you didn't know what they did for a living. That's right. It wasn't very important. Although we didn't go to Howard's uh, hardware store very often. I don't think we saw it very much. I, I can't remember. Like It wasn't like a set piece like uh, on Cheers or something where you always see that bar. Oh, it was like, we know he goes to work. But we, but we really know he goes it. to work. That's right. <laughs> Some of the others you did. Anyway, so, okay, so you got paid for that. And, um, you know, as far, do you still do cartooning? Yes, I do it. Uh, I, I do it because I love it. And I have a, a little... You know, I I found to be a working actor, one has to constantly figure out new ways to promote oneself and keep one's name in front of other people and face and so forth. So in, when I lived in New York in the 80s, I came on this, I came upon this idea of having a, and I think I beat the New Yorker to this, uh, a cartoon contest, a caption this cartoon oh, contest. yes, yes. So I draw a cartoon. It has no caption. It has some interesting elements in it. And I invite my mailing list to send in their captions. And I've been running it since about 1986. You still are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's online. Now it's on, you know. Tell us where we can find it. Uh, Well, you can can find it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, You type in my name, Jim Meskimen. I have a channel. And uh, every month I do this cartoon contest online. It's also on Instagram. And uh, if you're on my mailing list, you, you get it in the mail, too. So if you subscribe, if you go to the YouTube, they always give you a chance to subscribe. So if you do that. Yeah. Or you go to jimmeskiman.com and then I'll send you. OK, that's good to know. Email. Because, you know, a good cartoonist, I've noticed they're they're really each one is some kind of a really important history lesson. How so? Well, OK, Spears, what's this? David Spears? Spires, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Every one of his cartoons is an absolute history lesson hmm. in some way or other. It, it captures the contemporary zeitgeist visually. Yeah, yeah. yeah it really yeah. does. Yeah, it's true. And, I, and when, you, when you read a big book of New Yorker cartoons going back over the decades, you see the different styles and the, the yeah. cartoons of the 50s are so different from those of the 70s. And yeah, I totally agree. How are they different in the 50s? Well, the look of them is different. I mean, uh, the sense of humor is different. Like you say, oh, it's a, you it's a history lesson. You know, the look, way, there's a lot of martinis yes, in those uh, cartoons. By the way, and that's true in the movies also. You see these movies in the 40s and the 50s. Uh-huh. And, you know, smoking. Well, the like the thin man. And they'll be sitting at a table with like four <laughs> martinis each. And that was somehow considered a social norm instead of a disease. Uh-huh. That's right. That's probably mm-hmm. like vaping and... Uh, and uh, and marijuana smoking today. We'll look back at it and go, what the hell were we thinking? Oh, well, yeah, we do that a lot. So so looking back to simpler, um, yes, and, and humor was different in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Will you talk yeah. about that for a minute? Because, I, you know, I look at old things and I, I can't believe what people consider funny. Well, it's interesting. And I, I do have an idea about that. And I'll see what you think about this. But um, of course, in the 50s, we were uh, the nation was coming out of a ghastly long war, right. uh, including, you know, uh, you know bombing, uh, atomic bombing of, of another country. And I think uh, people's appetite for the grisly, the depressing and the horrific was probably pretty low. Uh, you know, in recent years, I, I think people feel a little bit maybe more separated from the violence of everyday life, even though they can find it if they want to. And, and maybe there's a kind of a, a laxity or complacency. And it seems like in general, 
either the appetite for uh, for horror or or depressing subjects is either very high or or the people that produce it are just very interested in people being confronted with mm-hmm. the horrific images all the time yeah maybe that combination of because uh, obviously people are consuming uh, you know, s- stories that are, that are extremely serious or, or what we used to call perverse. Oh, that's another thing that's changed a lot. Our tolerance for what's perverse. I mean, there yeah. was that whole Charles Adams era. Yeah. Which was charming and funny. And, uh-huh. and uh, at the time, very kind of like risque and like, Oh my gosh, imagine if, you know, if this horrible thing could happen and that continues to be, but it, that's, I've got a very lighthearted, of course, Yes. Uh, attitude and uh, his work. I, you know, I saw Charles Adams' physical cartoon, like one of the one of the originals, mm-hmm. and uh, it shocked me how how large it was. Really, physically, you know, it's very big. And, and uh-huh. uh, I thought, of course, it, of course, it was. You know, as an illustrator, I know that it's it's it, it's very common for the, the the original picture to be big, and then they shrink it photographically down, and then it has all this richness, and it really just sharp, and it really pops. Uh, anyway, that's just so kind of an aside. What, what are you attracted to? I mean, I I noticed. Earlier, just when you were talking about something, it seems that the kind of things you were, are attracted to, the performers, have a definite echo of sense of humor, mm-hmm. echo of funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like that. I like I the. Like, I like okay. laughter is a great release, so we all recognize that, and that's. Uh, so I I wind up being. Uh, I've done an awful lot of comedy, mostly that's comedy. What I wanted to know about. Career. Yeah. Done a lot of comedy commercials. I got started in commercials and I did animation. And what was your first commercial? And then what were the comedies that you were in? I'd like to know, like, tell people what your actual movies and. Well, I mean, all these commercials are long gone, but I had a, uh, I had a thriving career for many years as a improvised uh, commercial spokesman. What does and that I mean? Would go in, uh, well, no script. In other words, I would interview people oh. in stores. Uh, there was a chain in Texas. Uh, called uh, Skaggs Alpha Beta. There was another one in Florida that's called Food Lion, uh, Cash and Carry. Uh, and there was one in St. Louis called the Schnooks Markets. <laughs> and all, in all these uh, and a couple of other ones that I just can't remember, I would be hired to go in and interview uh, shoppers. And that was and just, uh, with, you know, kind of friendly, witty repartee about the store, about the things they found, the items. And, and grocery stores are very fruitful uh, literally, uh, but they're fruitful uh, for ideas and funny things that people buy and funny experiences that people have had. And I did just hours and hours, maybe hundreds of hours wow. of interviews with people. And, and we would find these, you know, in the, the editors would find these little gems, these little funny moments and, and cut them together into commercials. And, and that gave people, you know, a nice attitude about the store. So by the way, I've noticed that I do this and I think other people do it. Although I haven't asked when I'm in the checkout line at a supermarket, I'm, I'm looking at what other people are getting. Mm-hmm. Does everybody yeah. do that? I guess maybe everybody does it. I know. I, I don't know. No, I, no, I certainly I, do. I certainly do. I think yeah. That, you, you really, you, you're really pretty naked at the checkout counter. I you think know, so. You come up there so, with, with all your vodka and your, your donuts. I think people that's right. Or your frozen that. stuff or the people that buy, you know, a, a really a lot of fruits and vegetables and you know, that uh-huh. they're really cooking. You tend to be a little judgmental if you're not careful. That's true. Well, that's why they give us that plastic bar to put in between so that we yes. don't yes. mix with the hoi polloi. So Next. I did, uh, you asked about other projects I've done. I, yes. on, on television, probably your audience would know me from uh, Parks and Recreation. 
the Amy Poehler show that was so charming and funny. And I did, uh, I did about an episode per season of that show. I wish I'd done more, but I, I, it took me a long time to realize what a funny show it was. I would have pressed to, uh, to get into more, but that was always a really fun experience. And they let me improvise a little bit and create on that character. Uh, I've been in some pretty big movies you know, I met Ron Howard, of course, when I was a young man through my mom and I've been in five of his films. Oh, tell us what those are. So if we haven't seen them, we can go look for you. Well, it's very likely you've seen a lot of these films, uh, the Grinch uh, with Jim Carrey, uh, Apollo 13, Tom Hanks. Oh, sure. And then, yeah. uh, the last film I did with him was Frost Nixon with Frank Langella. And Mark, Mark, uh, oh, I, I did like him. And uh, also uh, a movie called Ed TV with Matthew McConaughey. And what's the other one? So you're, you're very busy. Oh, <laughs> well, the paper. The first one I did was called The Paper with Michael Keaton and, I remember that. and Marissa Tomei. And I had a really nice scene with Marissa Tomei. So Ron, Ron has been a real supporter and uh, a friend. And uh, almost like you know, a member of the family, really, because that Happy Days family was a very tight family. Oh, that's nice. That's nice to know. What what are you working on now that you can tell? Us Currently, I'm working on a film called The Big. Uh, it's actually a, a series, not a film. Uh, oh, I read about a, that. Yes. Yeah, it's a series yeah. called The Big Door Prize for Apple TV. And uh, it's got uh, Chris O'Dowd, the young Irish actor in it, who's marvelous. And a lot of really terrific performers, and it's a it's a cute it's a cute show. I think it'll be. Can you say what the plot is? Yeah, generally speaking, it's about a, a small small midwestern town. I think more towards the south, south southern midwestern town that uh, a grocery has a grocery store, and suddenly this machine kind of appears in the store that uh, purports to uh, tell people what their true destiny is. Ah. And so uh, people start to change their lives and their habits. And, uh, you know, it's, it's got a, it's definitely a comedy, but it's got a, also kind of a, a fantasy element to it. And as yeah, well as yeah. a kind of a mystery element to it. So I, I, it's, it's by uh, one of the, one of the producers of, uh, of Schitt's Creek. Oh, you saw that show. So it has, I saw that show. I'm going to move there when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've just uh, we're just in the first season. Nothing's been released yet, but I look forward to it. So how many episodes will there be? Do you know? Can you tell that ahead of time? I believe they uh, I, gosh, it's either eight or ten. Yeah, I don't I don't recall. You know, I've, I've always thought I should say I've more than thought I have been convinced always that comedy is like the straightest route to serious. Yeah. Well, I, I think comedy is a very uh, potent and accurate yeah. uh, expression of, of the, di- the, the dichotomies of life, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, things are never fully serious or fully hilarious. You know, in life, we run across things which are an interesting blend and mixture of the, of the truthful and the untruthful of the, uh, you know, the apparent and the, the uh, confusing and, uh, so I don't know, I guess, you know, I like it a lot. I like that, comedy a lot. Cause I feel like my, my life is, is very comedic on a day-to-day basis. Not, I think most, most, most people's are, if you know where to look. Yes. Yeah. And, I totally and agree. So yes. You know, on the, on the business of comedy. Yeah. It's just open for so much more. And I've noticed in life that the really good comic actors 
can also do serious work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen that a lot with yeah. Bob Odenkirk. And- I, I think that's not true. The converse is not true. Yeah, that's that's true. I think you have to have a, uh, you know, a, a person who is a who's specialized in comedy acting has to figure out, you know, the basis of well, what's the right thing to do and what's the appropriate thing to do and how can I vary from that? How can I how can I go off the line a little bit? And so they have to have a very good grip on what is appropriate, what is logical, in order to to uh, kind of create an aberration off that line. So. I don't know whether whether people that specialize only in 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 drama and the straight path know how to you know sometimes they're not as free to to diverge. Maybe that's what it is. Yes. Maybe. I don't well, know. It's <laughs> just a guess. You're asking some very deep philosophical questions. I, I know each of them take a little more time, but you know they're interesting for me to think about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Though I mean, they're, they're like I I mentioned Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul who started off as a comedy sketch writer. And that was what he, he wrote for Saturday Night Live. And uh, and then he had his own uh, sketch show, Mr. Show on HBO. And he's a terrific dramatic actor, which I think surprised him as much as anybody. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Let me ask you about, okay, so that's the big thing you're working. Now, I'm sorry, which, is this a, um, which company is making this? Apple, you're in? Yeah, it's, it's Apple. 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 Oh, so yeah. you get it on Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. Only, uh, I, I guess I, I I don't know. It hasn't been released yet, so I don't okay, know how, how many platforms. Yeah. Are you? Hopefully surprised? it'll be. Hopefully it'll be released on more than one platform, but we'll see. I would hope so too. It, uh, <laughs> are you surprised? I know, just being as old as I am, that there was a day when only the big studios made movies, and they had a grip on it. And I, I'm so impressed with what it takes to make a movie. Hmm. I don't even know how people begin but oh, evidently they do. and now places like hulu and and um you know netflix which just used to mail you little movies in the in the mail or you know little things <laughs> and now all these places are making their own movies and doing yeah. such an exceptional job is that surprising to you yeah i'm as surprised as anybody else but i mean that you know the technology got easier lighter cheaper to make uh-huh. films Okay. And uh, yeah, and now if you're if you're a company, you know, a, a big company, you need to have as part of your brand, you have the ability to create your own content. And, you know, so many people I know, like me, have their own YouTube channel, create content all the time. We're learning about uh, filmmaking techniques and storytelling techniques. And it's 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 just interesting. It's just it's all communication. So we're becoming more expert in a way in telling stories, like you said, in communicating to one another. But, so, it, but somebody's still got to be filming it. You still have crowd scenes and you have cars crashing and yeah, uh-huh. interiors of planes and things. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, luckily, there's a lot of people that love to dedicate their lives to pulling off those effects. And uh, yeah, it is very surprising, though, I must say. I didn't know that the world would become so involved in, in making TV shows. And I think we're experiencing a real golden age in television, right? Oh, I and performing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just that the, the challenge is. Sorry, the challenge is who has time to watch all this stuff? Yeah, I know. And, you know, if you have if you have these different streaming things, how many hundreds of channels? By the time you go through the whole scroll down, the week has gone. I know. But uh, some of the best things I've seen have been made by Hulu and Amazon and Netflix. It's just brilliant. Okay, so I want to 
I want to ask you something because I am basically about love letters and the power of them. If you were to write a love letter right now, and I'm using that term really broadly, it can be a Mm. a thank you note. It can be a something just expressing friendship. Mm -hmm. It can be inviting somebody into your life or out of your life kindly. It can be memories. It can be lust. It can be a anything at all. Who would you be writing one to? Gosh, you know, the first person I think of, a lot of people that I admire, and I like to write letters of admiration. I feel really lucky when I you know, I know a few people in Hollywood and when I see their show and, and uh-huh. I go, oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. I go, often I realize I could write to this person. I have their email address. I could write to them. And, uh, you know, I would probably write to Ron Howard. I mean, he's so and I have in recent days because uh, his work is so great and he's influenced a culture. I don't know if you realize he's uh, he's written a, a book, a memoir with his brother called The Boys. And I, I read it and I, I had to write to him afterwards because it was just so extraordinary. Their well, story is so fantastic. Yeah, it's, 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 it was a bestseller. So you and, do it by email? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you but, think of sitting down and writing one by hand? It would be, I would love to do that too. Yeah. I, uh, I hope you do. Yeah. You know, I've written a couple of what you have to call fan letters. Uh huh. Surprisingly enough, I get answers. Sure. I get handwritten answers back because everybody needs to feel worthwhile and as if they've done something that you like. Right. Yeah, totally. It's very validating. And, and, a, and a handwritten letter has a permanency to it and an authenticity and a earnestness to it that just is is not matched by an email for sure. Right. I mean, I happen to love email and texting. There's there's no there's no device I don't love. But every once in a while. You know, I just sit down and watch the words flow out of a pen mm-hmm. under a piece of paper. Yeah, it's totally different. I, I have a friend who, who always, every every Christmas, sends a card that is just covered with writing on the inside. Oh, nice. And I treasure them. And, and she expresses herself things? beautifully and her handwriting is beautiful. It's like, huh, here's another card from Amber. I love this. People tend to know. People tend to notice the difference and say, thank you. You actually took the time to write this by hand. Yeah. Oh, it's so rare now. It's Oh, like, I'm so glad gold. to know that you do this. Okay. Well, well now I'll do it more. I mean, you've inspired me, so I'll do it even more. I'm glad. It's it's such a powerful thing. I mean, I've seen, you may have also, just the, the simplest of expression changes lives very often. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Communication it's, is very, very valuable. That's what art is. Art is a word that expresses right. the quality of communication right. and uh, yes. uh, poetry and all those things. My dad used to read poetry to me all the time and play guitar, oh. and my mother loves poetry, and uh, I, I try it too. And it's just a, a it's just another thing we're going through a golden age of spoken word performing and, and poets and uh, all the things that have to do with communication are, are uh, enhanced or uh, what do you call it? Uh, made more easy to consume by this technology, by all these devices yeah. expedited. That's the word I'm looking for. What, what I what I do like to advise is if people get a, a love letter, some kind of, you say admiration letters, those are huge. Um, an email that they print them out mm. on good paper. And so they last. Okay. That's a very good so idea. So you keep, you, you've kept the ones that have been sent to you. Yes. I have, all, I have every, every card and letter that my wife has ever written to me, I keep in a file. Yeah. And uh, that surprised her recently. I pulled it out. We're going to be celebrating our 35th anniversary this year. Oh, how nice. And uh, I treasure those, those writings. You're you're a lucky fellow for what you were born into. You have no idea. I have a little idea. (laughs) (laughs) You have a little. I I am a very lucky guy. 
Yes. And, and, you know, genetically lucky that you are so thick with talent. <laughs> yes. Really, I'm, thick. I'm thick with talent. Thick with talent. I mean, there's so much of it around. And yeah. also that you have had the um, whatever it takes to pursue it and put it into action. Yeah. And I, I got a lot of that from my mom, too. She was very ambitious. And uh, I saw that she promoted herself pretty ruthlessly, but always in a nice way. And people love her. So I like I started this cartoon contest. I always try to give a little value when I do promote myself. You know, I like to help people out. And okay, well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for your I'm gonna look for you on YouTube and look for your channel. Please, please do. Yeah, you'll be with this on my YouTube channel. Excellent. So if there's any crossover, it's gonna be some crossover going on. Yes, and if there's ever at any point anything else you'd like to talk about or make public or offer. And want to do another one, just let me know. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. So meanwhile, it's been lovely talking with you and nice meeting you. And Yes, Janet. Thank you so much. It was a very gracious interview. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Janet Gallant saying goodbye. Bye.